0: ReachMD XM157 now presents this month's special series, Exploring Heart Health. Could a common heart defect called a patent foramen ovale found in 25% of the population be linked to migraine headaches? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a ReachMD special series exploring heart health. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, Professor of Surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Ted Feldman, Professor of Medicine at Northwestern University Medical School and Director of the Cardiac Catheterization Laboratory and Interventional Cardiology Chair at Evanston Northwestern Healthcare. Dr. Feldman is also the co-author of Percutaneous Coronary Intervention Guideline and a past president of the Society of Cardiovascular Angiography and Interventions. Welcome Dr. Feldman.
1: Great to be here.
0: Today we are discussing patent foramen ovale closure and its possible link to migraines. Dr. Feldman, what exactly is a patent foramen ovale?
1: Everyone has a communication between the right and left atria in utero to allow placental blood to get through the venous circulation and into the arterial circulation. At birth, the communication, which is flap-like, closes. And in a substantial proportion of people, this closure is incomplete, and that is what leaves a patent foramen ovale, or PFO.
0: And generally speaking, what's the consequences of having a patent foramen ovale?
1: Well, this is a common occurrence, and somewhere between 15 and 20 percent of the general population has a patent for Amino Valley, and for the vast majority of these people, there is no apparent consequence.
0: How do people find out if they have a patent for Amino Valley?
1: Generally, a clinical event which are rare, such as a stroke from paradoxical embolus, or in the case of divers, deep sea divers, or scuba divers, a stroke associated with decompression illness may lead to the discovery of a PFO. And otherwise, because echocardiography is so common now, it is occasionally diagnosed during a routine echocardiographic examination.
0: What about just by a auscultative murmur?
1: There is no murmur. There's no outward sign. And even on echocardiograms, a plain echo doesn't show the PFO. It, it has to be done in conjunction with a bubble contrast or echo contrast study.
0: Why is that?
1: The flap appears pretty much the same in people who have PFO compared to those in whom the flap is sealed. So you have to see some sign of blood flow across the flap to be able to make the diagnosis.
0: Now this is a left-to-right shunt.
1: Generally speaking, it's left-to-right because the pressure in the left atrium is a little higher than on the right. Only in unusual circumstances is it right to left.
0: So when we talk about a paradoxical embolus, could you define that, please?
1: The classic situation for a paradoxical embolus will be somebody who has a transcontinental plane ride or is otherwise immobile for many hours. They develop a deep vein thrombosis, and shortly thereafter, they get up to move around. A clot breaks loose from the lower extremity or pelvis, And this would ordinarily travel to the lungs, and typically these are small thrombi, and there's no clinical sequelae. But if there's a patent foramen ovale, and the circumstances favor shunting of this clot from the right atrium across the PFO into the left atrium, the embolus can then go paradoxically from the venous circulation into the arterial circulation.
0: So if someone has a patent foramen ovale, What are the indications for intervention, whether it be surgical or angiographic?
1: Right now, the only indication that's agreed upon is recurrent stroke from paradoxical embolus. And that is an infrequent circumstance. In common practice, patients who have no other cause for stroke and are found to have PFO, who have so-called cryptogenic stroke, are often treated after a first rather than recurrent stroke. And beyond that, the remainder of the indications are either highly infrequent or investigational.
0: And how do you close the patent for ovale?
1: For many years, surgery was the only option. But for the last half dozen years, we've had a family of percutaneous devices that have made it comparatively a very simple procedure.
0: And could you describe that briefly?
1: The basic device design currently is of a double umbrella. So if you imagine an open umbrella on either side of the atrial septum through the PFO, that will constitute a closure device. The devices can all be collapsed in the manner of an umbrella. And if you put a small catheter across the PFO, push the umbrella out into the left atrium, open it, and then pull that umbrella back until it catches on the wall of the atrium on the left side. Push a second umbrella out on the right side you then have a closure device.
0: If you are just joining us, you are listening to a special series exploring heart health on the Clinicians Roundtable on Reach MD XM 157. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, professor of surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Ted Feldman, director of the Cardiac Catheterization Laboratory and Interventional Cardiology Chair at Evanston Northwestern Healthcare. We are discussing patent foramen ovale closure and its possible link to migraines. Dr. Feldman, you spoke about the angiographic treatment for closure of patent foramen ovales. This is now the standard treatment when we do decide to close them?
1: It is. This is a comparatively simple catheter procedure. The uh, access is all venous, so the devices are delivered via femoral venous puncture. And they're guided by a combination of fluoroscopy and a wonderful technology, intracardiac echocardiography.
0: Now, I remember in the late 80s, a young pediatric cardiologist named Jim Locke at Boston Children's at Harvard started doing procedures like this. Is this the same type of procedure that is being done today?
1: Fundamentally, it is. What's changed is that the technology has improved dramatically.
0: So in this situation, what is the relationship between a patent foramen ovali and a migraine headache?
1: Well, that's a really fascinating story. We've been closing PFO in cryptogenic stroke patients for some years, and many people in the field observed that these patients were coming back for follow-up visits and mentioning that their migraines were gone. Uh-huh. And we as cardiologists, would never have been aware that the patients had migraines. It wouldn't have been on our radar. The first cardiologist to publish the observation is an Italian guy, and as soon as he started talking about it, we all went back to our stroke patients and asked, did you have migraine? And we uh, have pretty uniformly found a remarkable proportion of these patients do have migraine, and a remarkable number of them had either improvement or cure with PFO closure. Now, why do you think that is? The best we can say is to sort of reason backwards and imagine that there's a vasoactive substance that is ordinarily metabolized in the lungs, something like serotonin that might be produced in the muscles and is in fact metabolized in the lungs that in the setting of a PFO periodically gets across into the arterial circulation and can go to the brain and trigger a headache.
0: Again, everyone is thinking, well, the patent foramen ovale is a left-to-right shunt. Can you get significant leakage from the right atrium to the left atrium to account for this?
1: Absolutely. Every time you cough, for example, or strain, you increase the intrathoracic and right atrial pressure abruptly. And we can watch now on echocardiography with Doppler or with bubble contrast, and all we have to do is ask a patient with a large PFO uh, to cough or take a deep breath in and out, and we will see shunting across the defect from right to left.
0: Now, taking it from the neurologist's perspective, have they noticed a relationship between their patients who have migraine headaches and been evaluated by either cardiac echo or other means?
1: Yes, and there's an important fine point here. We have to ask, is the general migraine population different than this group of patients who have stroke and migraine?
0: What do you mean by that?
1: Well, we've made this initial clinical observation of migraine relief in patients who were originally being treated for stroke. And we have to ask, is there some difference in the type of migraine that migraineurs have, those who don't have any history of stroke?
0: And what have you found?
1: So there have been a couple of very large studies of the incidence of PFO in migraine patients, and we find that about 60% of migraineurs have PFO, which is quite striking. So that's three- or fourfold greater likelihood of PFO than in the general population.
0: So did you design a study based on this relationship?
1: There are currently three randomized trials going on in the United States and a couple of trials in the United Kingdom and Europe as well that are looking in a randomized way at PFO closure for migraine. And it's very important that we have randomized trials because in migraine particularly, the placebo effects of any therapy are very striking.
0: Why is that?
1: It's hard for me as a cardiologist to say, but I think we all appreciate that headache is a highly complex neurologic disease. The typical trial of a new drug for migraine, for example, sees about a 25% responder rate in the placebo group. And if you have an effective migraine drug, you might get a 50 or 60% response rate, and it's obvious that the drug works, but... If all you did was the placebo therapy, you might think that it worked as well.
0: Well, then how did you sort this out in terms of your study?
1: The studies are ongoing, and the way we will sort it out is with a highly rigorous blinded study. So each patient does have, whether they're in the placebo or the PFO closure group, does get a right heart cath. The patients are actually in a catheterization laboratory with a blindfold and headphones with their preferred music playing. The placebo group gets a right heart catheterization with measurement of the PFO, which is very important to be able to define whether the PFO size and type is similar in both the treatment and the control group. And then, of course, the treatment group actually gets the device.
0: Now, this is double-blinded?
1: The patient is blinded. The neurologist, who will follow the patient, is blinded. So the only person who knows what the patient got is the cardiologist, who won't see them again after the procedure.
0: So the cardiologist cannot give any influence as to whether it has been successful or not?
1: Well, that is certainly the intention of the trial, and we're doing everything we can, including designing uh, very careful chart notes that make it impossible for anybody looking at the medical record to know what the patient received until the trial is unblinded.
0: I want to thank Dr. Ted Feldman, who has been our guest. We have been discussing patent foramen ovale closure and its possible link to migraines. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to a special series exploring heart health on ReachMDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. To comment or listen to our full library of podcasts, visit us at ReachMD.com. Register with promo code RADIO and receive six months free streaming for your home or office. You've been listening to our special series, Exploring Heart Health. Join us all month for more here on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals.